Hello again, ladies and gentlemen and other assorted gender assignations. Welcome back to the Bored to Death Binge Cast, where we take TV shows and movies and binge them in easily digestible chunks. You can, you're, Whether you're listening to us on our YouTube channel or through uh, CKCC Radio on Podbean, we welcome you. Uh, I am, once again, Jay Winger, being joined by... Zeke. Chris. And we are back for our continuing binge of Gundam The Whole Damn Saga, back for part three, as we uh, pick up with episode 11 of the original Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, as I recall when we left off... We left off with uh, Garma's fate, where Garma is killed in battle. Mm-hmm. And his father, the sovereign of Zeon, is informed of his death, and is, like, horrified by it. This is his king. Because, uh... The thing is that Garmo, amongst Zabi's kids, was the youngest. Mm. And it's funny, because I think, I swear... It's like that his baby boy is now dead. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, and uh, all of them are shocked. Uh, one of them is like, oh, I was hoping to walk in one day and see him having gotten the rank of Admiral one day. I don't know that we actually saw that scene in the in episode 10. Not yet. Yeah, uh, uh, but, they, they hold like a huge funeral service for him. Uh, and Isolena, his uh, would-be fiancé, uh, is horribly distraught, partly because her father refused to let him let her marry him, and in part because her, her lover, or the person she was in love with, is now dead. Uh, White Base is still on the run. They are still in Xeon territory, I believe. Yeah. Um, Too deep to get numerical support from the Fed. Well, if if I yeah, if I remember correctly from the map that they were in, where they dropped was close to like the Middle East. I think Sounds is where they dropped right. from from some of the. Uh, so from some of the backgrounds and stuff for the fights, it definitely had a very Middle Eastern sort of vibe with more Western architecture, but the landscape felt Middle Eastern. Um, but you very desolate. Yeah, they because they because where they're supposed to be at, and they did say this uh, for where the Jaburo base is. Jaburo is in South America, so they are way, base, but they are way off course. Way off course. But then. That's how it goes when you're enter- when you're re-entering Earth's atmosphere. You can't just go straight down. The friction the the friction is w- would be way too intense. That's why there it's usually a more uh, angular descent. So well, not just that, but they're also under attack too. So that, that too. That 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 didn't help. That's the science portion of the day show. Yeah, no, there'll probably be more as as and when. But uh, uh, if there's anything else you guys uh, feel the need to add? Mm, no. Not really, no. Besides Gundam the Cool. <laughs> yeah, you are the Mecha fan. Um, but, uh, so we will see you after the binge. Aww. And we're back after the binge. Uh, so we got through episodes 11 through 15 uh, this this time. Uh, again, picking up after Garma's death, which led to the whole state funeral thing. And you said that there, Chris, you said there was a that speech that his bro- his older brother Garen gave mm-hmm. is like a big important speech. You specifically said, "Remember this this speech." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did say that. <clears throat> Do you want me to tell you why? Sure, go ahead. The very first episode of Eight Them as Team. That's when it, it ends. Is when he's giving that speech. Uh. So it gives you a time frame of when the first episode takes place. Okay. 
I like that they that they come up with these landmark moments in the in the series to define things that happen because you mentioned you've mentioned that the big climactic battle at the end of the at the end of the series yeah affects things in multiple it's, other. It's series. not so much the fact that it affects them; oh. it's just that because of how big the battle is, is they kind of sort of keep going back to revisit it, like with. Um, uh, Stardust memory. That's where it starts off with the Delaz fleet, which is another one of the the Xeon fleets. Uh, basically, knowing that they're losing, so they're like, "Okay, we need to leave." Mm. So they hightailed it out of there, and they take one, uh, take a uh, pilot who is known as the Nightmare of Solomon mm. because of how his kill count during that battle. And they leave, and then they disappear for a few years. Okay. Um, and the same thing goes with Gundam Thunderbolt. The first part of Thunderbolt takes place or during the One Year War. Mm-hmm. This is one reason we like to keep Chris Chris around for this thing. He is our wellick of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> our well of knowledge. There you go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you know, they have these landmark moments sort of in the series to help define where stuff takes place. The... Garen's speech, this big battle that will be coming up in about 20 episodes, 20 or 25 It's episodes. like the last couple of episodes so, of the show. Yeah. Um, and, but they used, but Zeon basically used Garma's death as a way to sort of rally the populace. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole big, big propaganda moment, you know, it's just sort of like, how dare the Federation do this, the Earth, you know, down with the Earth elite and all their corruption. Got, every, got everybody in Zeon all hyped up to Look for revenge on the on the Federation. Typical sort sort of thing you see in, in uh, times of war. You wait the rally the troops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad. You find an enemy, you demonize them, and you point the populace and be like, "They're the cause of all your problems." His yeah. Well, we his, see that nowadays in politics. We're not going to name any specific names. Well, no, well, no. I was thinking of uh, it's like Adolf Hitler with the Jews. Well, there you go. That's a, that's a prime example right there. Without having to go into current current day politics. <laughs> well, this is I think is a bigger example. But yeah, very very much. Um, but yeah, the the first episode of our binge dealt with uh, Isolina's desire for revenge and how. Ultimately pointless and ended up being for her. Which yeah. we figured out, which we win. A gun versus a Gundam. And then you finally saw Here how, comes a new challenger. Well, <laughs> then, well but then you find out uh, who what she was actually pointing the gun at. Yeah, she wasn't actually pointing the gun at the Gundam. She was pointing pointing it at the pilot because Amaro had made the somewhat stupid mistake of actually getting trying to get out of his mobile suit. Granted, well, the mobile suit had just been crashed into. Yeah, well, plus it was also damaged, and he had to... First, he told Bright, hey, it. there's a problem. The Gundam's not moving. I need to get out and... Make some repairs. Make some repairs. And then she gets out of the, the crashed ship that she was on. One of the Xeon gals, I believe. Bright does not make a very good IT person, does he? Mm. No. But he, um, well, well, she gets out through the cockpit, which the um, the windows are smashed. So she gets out, points the gun at him, and I think it was like, I think she mostly uh, died from her injuries because she just faints and then falls gracefully to the ground. I looked at it as more that she 
adjusted her footing, and because she was on a smooth slope, curved surface, she just lost her footing and just tumbled. Yeah, it could be that she was injured, you know, and woozy from the from the crash, and just. I mean, she she just kinda, went uh, base over apex. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of lucky that the uh, the plane that she was in didn't explode on impact, like so many other Xeon ships we've seen go down do. I do want to know what they the power of nuclear bombs. Every time an explosion happens, big the, cloud of death. Minovsky particles, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you need to look at like a mobile suits, uh, like the generator and everything, and mm-hmm. the, it, it's it's like a it's like a big benefactor in terms of what causes it to explode. It's like the uh, uh, in Star Trek, one of the things that causes ships to explode the most is a uh, uh, the warp reactor kind yeah. of like it got imbalanced or something. Yeah, and that causes. The explosion and it it's co- it causes matter and antimatter to collide, collide more quickly, you know, than than it should, and then you have a cascade reaction. And then you see the ship go. Any boom. sort of any sort of power generator thing or reactor like that is a very delicate balancing act. This is something that uh, that Chris and I learned when we watched Chernobyl. <laughs> Because the last episode of the Chernobyl series, they talk about how the, how a nuclear reactor works and the balancing act that's involved in it. Although I'm wondering how much of what they talked about is still accurate today. Because granted, this was in the 80s when that incident happened. Yeah, that's fair fair enough. But I imagine similar principles still apply. Possibly. You know, because while the technology may have improved and makes it easier to maintain, and they now are more aware of... Such flaws, but anyway, we're getting distracted from talking about Gundam. <laughs> uh, we can do a whole separate thing on Chernobyl, but at any rate, um, we can do a whole separate thing on a lot of things. I don't think you said this to any of the Bincast. You said it once each time. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of stuff. We could probably just do a bunch of ramble casts about stuff, but that at any rate, um, but one of the I liked that they changed up the intros uh, for the series at with like episode 11 where where previously it was just sort of giving us history about the war yeah uh, and it shows like the explosion this, in the colony and mm-hmm. everything and this time it's but now it's been focusing more on sort of filling out some of the details of the setting about the about side three becoming uh, becoming the principality of Xeon uh, how Xeon is essentially set up with this with this dictatorship with the Zabi family. R- ruling it, and that they want to sort of take over all, take over and control all of humanity. Um, and of course, we got to meet more of the royal family with uh, Girin and Dozel. Uh, is Cassilia? Cassilia is the sister. Is is part of the family? It wasn't clear because she's doesn't really have the same sort of resemblance that you can sort of see with Girin and the Girin. Well, the thing is, Dozel and. Uh, Degwin? <laughs> well, the thing is that you never see their mom. Yeah, that's true. The one thing I want to mention about the episode that we were talking about is the fact that Armour was shocked that someone's out to try to kill him. Yeah. Because, and well, he doesn't know the reason why, either. But the thing is, he, he's and, in a war. He's killed multiple people. He doesn't think vengeance is going to come after him eventually? I mean, I'm pretty sure that nobody's going to think to go after him, for, for starters, because of the fact that he's in a warship. And the fact that he is also piloting the most powerful weapon the Federation has right now. That's true. And that's that's another thing I was going to bring up. The whole impersonal nature of this sort of warfare. Yeah. It's not like medieval 
combat where you were basically where you could basically look the guy in the eyes as you were as you were killing him, you know, running him through or or killing him with your sword or whatever melee weapon you preferred to use. In this case, you are sometimes uh, you are hundreds of feet or meters away from from one another, just shooting at at each other. You don't tend to. There's not that same sort of sense of I am killing a person so much as I am shooting a ship that happens to have people on it, but you distance it's, it adds that level, that extra distance from it, which, you know, for Amuro, he probably just hadn't ever con- really considered a lot of that. Yeah. And then we get to the episode where he finds his mom. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was uh, episode 13, the third episode of our binge. And well, she's, she does, doesn't have a real good grasp of what, really going on in the war. She's been pretty well removed from from the combat. Well, the area that she's in is pretty much isolated, except for, like, the Xeon soldiers that show up, but that's because they're in a base that's not too far away. Yeah. So they come in, do the little patrol to make sure that there's no no Federation soldiers there, and then they drive off. Yep. The thing that... I, I, she I'm is waiting. literally just running a refugee camp. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the touch-ons. If they do touch on, correct me if they do or not, uh, the fact that the Federation has now landed there, made a whole bunch of noise, and then left. Yeah? <laughs> Mommy, I love you! Well, here's the, trouble, here's, the, here's the thing. The forward base that was there is, from what we saw, was basic, it looked like it had basically just been constructed. Like it was an outpost, more than anything. And it got annihilated. That's true. He did fix the problem, I guess. It's funny because... It could be, yeah, maybe maybe Xeon will send some forces there to be like, hey, we haven't heard from this base in a while. Holy shit, what happened? (laughs) Blame the town over there. Yeah. They'll probably question it and be like, what happened here? We're like, we don't know. We heard the explosions in the distance, but we never want to go check. Yeah, they have that plausible deniability. It's just sort of like, we're civilians. We don't have any guns. <laughs> Why would we go anywhere near it's you like guys? There, there's, there's a bunch of old people here. This lady's 89 years old. Can't hear shit. Yeah. She doesn't <laughs> understand technology. Yeah. Um, um, but then there was the, uh, the part where uh, his mom is trying to hide him as these two Xeon soldiers are in. And this is like a little like hospital room, essentially. Yeah. And like a barracks. Because he's, he's still in his uniform. Uh, Which was a stupid thing. Why go visit her wearing a uniform? Put on some civilian attire for crying out loud. Actually, what I want to know is why didn't he... um, Because I'm I'm pretty sure that he wasn't expecting to uh, run into his mom. Mm. Um, Granted, yeah, he did go into the area because he was like, oh, hey, this is where I grew up. So he went there. What are the odds that the white base would have landed on an island 30 kilometers away from his hometown? Don't look at the plot hole. Yeah, that's true. Oh, the MacGuffin. I mean, it's kind of... Not a MacGuffin. I I mean, it's essentially like... It's essentially like being... Coincidence is what you're looking for. (laughs) It's essentially like being stationed uh, in uh, Norfolk and then being like, hey, where I grew up isn't too far from here. I'm going to go check... I'm going to go say hi real quick. Yeah. But it's... But when your ship has basically landed hundreds of... Hundreds or possibly thousands of miles away from friendly territory... And you're on the run, and you touch down on a random island in the middle of the Pacific, because they had, did specify they were over the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. and then basically hole up there while a storm passes and all the guys that are looking for you move on, that you then find out, oh, hey, we're 30 kilometers away from my hometown. 
That's way too big. That is a huge coincidence. Better coincidence. When he goes into the house and the Xeon there are actually partying at his house. No, you, those, those were Earth Federation. Yeah, those were those were Fed soldiers. That, uh, that would explain why they questioned the title. Yeah. Well, pl- well, great. Yeah, they... Amaro, is, I think that... Because I was trying to figure out why there's a difference in terms of, like, the, the design of, like, the uniforms. I think that what it is is, like, depending on where you are, uh, what branch you're in, depends on how your uniform looks. Like, in their case, because they were ground soldiers, I think they were either army or, uh, like, marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas for Amaro, his was be, his will be more close to, like, naval. Navy, Navy or Air Force sort of uh, thing. So that's the di- that's most likely naval. So that's mainly oh plus they were wearing hard hats too like the, uh, the helmets. helmets. Um, yeah. You know, gotta protect those brains. Mm. Uh, Matilda, I think <laughs> until you start killing it with Ma- booze. Miss <laughs> Matilda, I think is uh, Air Force, and the hat is the dead giveaway there. Mm. Um, but the th- the way you can tell the uniforms is, and because if uh, you get a chance here uh, on the screen. Uh, where uh, Char Char's uniform has, you know, that's the, what Zeon's uh, emblem sort of looks like. That sort of like crest with the wings on it. Whereas the Earth Federation tends to have this have this other symbol here on the left, yeah. the star with the little crescent underneath it. And the, the, those soldiers had had the Federation's uh, emblem on on their uniforms. Because um, at first I was like the same way. I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh shit, is this, is this a Zeon occupying force? Well, well, Are they forcing his mom to, you know, let to house soldiers? Well, plus, but, then, but then I looked at the uniforms, I was like, oh wait, those are Earth Federation. Plus, plus, another, plus one of the other ways you could notice is uh, where theirs was black, like where the chest, shoulder, and where the back is, mm-hmm. like on like the top part is, Amaro's is white. Yeah. Um, but anyways... But at any rate... Um, um, so... Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think that uh, he was expecting to be there, say hi, and then leave. He was expecting to find a bunch of drunk Federation soldiers there. Uh, he wasn't thinking, "Oh, I'm going to need to shoot a, a Zeon soldier," which he ends up doing in front of his mom, where he wounds the guy. Oh, by the way, he's under the covers as this. Yeah, happens. he's just basically pulled a blanket up to hide the uniform and um, curled up on his side. But he's obviously like aiming his gun under his under his arm. And uh, his communicator goes off, uh, and the Xeon soldier is like, "Oh, where's that sound coming from?" And when he gets closer, he shoots him, and his mom, like, it's like the whole world for her just stopped. Yeah. Uh, like she is in complete disbelief that her son would shoot somebody. Yeah. And he runs off after the other Xeon soldier and shoots, pretty much he empties his entire clip at the guy. Um, he got his training at Star Wars. <laughs> the, the Imperial Marksmanship Academy. Well, we don't actually see what happened. Like the guy had to have take, you know, gotten behind the vehicle that he was in waited for Amuro to stop shooting, get in, and, and then, then drive off. Just drive off, yeah. So he basically had to have gotten behind the vehicle for cover because he, he was more closer to the uh, the entrance than what his buddy was. So Yeah, but we also don't know that Amuro's really that good of a shot. He could have just been shooting wildly at the at the guy. Hoping to hit him. Yeah. Especially, like, his gun, his Especially because the way he was reacting throughout that whole thing, he was just in like PTSD mode. Which and he, he was just shooting he was just shooting because he saw enemy soldier, enemy soldier, bang, 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 bang. 
Yeah, that that is the case also. Um, uh, plus, um, Ryu did say that he he told Bright he was like, yeah, he's got war fatigue right now. We see that we see this fatigue, with, yeah. we battle fatigue. We see this with a lot of uh, younger guys. A lot of the rookies. He was going false saying with the white eyes. Yeah. Well, that was uh, from the earth, from the previous episode when they hit out in the storm. It's just the turbulence from the storm and the and the thunder and lightning from outside just sent him into a full into a full PTSD uh, like comatose state. He he was basically sitting there kind of like I'm pretty I, I'm pretty sure they couldn't animate it at the time, but I'm fairly certain he was supposed to be like rocking back and forth. Yeah, I got that impression too. But you know, it's just they couldn't make the animation look good. Probably so, so they, they just, just had, showed him they just had him sat there like. Not with this like cold stare going, the thousand, the thousand yard stare. Yeah. It was just the no eye, no, no pupils. They had the white, the full white. For the it, eyes. it was, just, it was yeah. I, I think it was essentially to show that you know the lights were on, but no one was home. Yeah. Um, like he was like happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Yeah. Um, but oh yeah, and his Can't mom, see. his mom. The way the episode ends is his mom meets Bright Noah, who tells her. You know, we're very proud of him. We're happy to have him as a member we of our crew. We are honored to have him as a member of our crew. Um, and they leave, and she drops down under her knees because she can't believe that her son is a soldier in this war now. And not just that, a killer. Yeah. That she has basically seen that he has killed, that, you know, he, is, he has killed people and that he is apparently fine with killing people. This is the same time they use the same phrase, though. These are... Uh, People of kids and wives. Mm. That's the second time. His first time was uh, uh, in the Winds of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that was the our previous bench with the with those soldiers. And we got some more of that in this one with uh, Lieutenant Rawl. Uh, you know, his wife is. Tra- I'm assuming that's his wife. That is his wife. Yeah, uh, is traveling with them, and they have a, they clearly have a loving relationship. And he is is a proud Zeon soldier, and but he and wants to do his, and is all about doing his duty. You know, he, he comes across as, a, as, you know, he's a very... He's com- a soldier. He's a soldier and a very competent one at that. Uh, how competent he'll be now that he no longer has his backup because he had those two other Zaku pilots with him. And in the episode 15, one of them gets killed, the other one gets captured. <laughs> After he has his uh, Zaku getting the shit knocked out of it yep. by uh, Amuro, who at this point is in the gun cannon because Sayla yeah. <laughs> decided to take the Gundam out because she is trying to get information on Char, which if you really look, if you really look at it and you observe it, it's like, so how is this going to work when you can't openly communicate with the enemy soldiers? Yeah, and I it's just it was a really stupid thing once once it came out at the end of the episode that's what she was trying to do. Just, yeah. just wanted to get news about but, about Char. But she doesn't want to let anybody know, you know, like I am Char's sister. Yeah. She does not want that to get out. Because she'll immediately become a hostage. They the second they find out that she is the, that she is related to a key member of the Xeon military and a Zeon hero pilot, you know, ace pilot. Guarantee you, they guarantee you, they would have locked her up somewhere and used that as leverage to try to force Char into standing down. Uh, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna let in on this little spoiler right here because I'm pretty sure you two are probably going, well, how are they related when their names don't even sound the same? Those are not their real names. Yeah, I figured that that was the case. So I'm just, I'm gonna, pretty sure when 
Shar and Sayla first see each other in the series. In the first, no, it was the second you know, episode. She, you know, he called her by some other name. Yeah. And then she said the same thing with him where it was, she called him out by his real name. Um, but yeah. I figured that was, that, that was the case. And I'm also figuring that we'll find out exactly who, what their names are, what their relationship, why they have to keep their identities a secret, but that's for that's for later. Witness protection program. Yes, there you go. Sure. <laughs> yes and no. It's more, it's more heavily explored in Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin, where it's you get to uh, watch them kind of grow up hmm. um, because where they go, where they because they are. It's kind of like what you said, witness protection, where they are moved around a lot. Hmm. Military brats. <clears throat> um. But I will go ahead and say this, is there actually was a guy named Shar Osnable. And he does look like him. The only difference is the eye color. Okay. Um, one of the other things that I, that I noticed uh, with, with the scenes concerning the, the Zabi royal family, <clears throat> Degwin, who was the father, right? Degwin? Yes. Um, he definitely has a whole... Has, there's that whole uh, feel of the what TV tropes likes to call the chains of commanding, which mm-hmm. is basically like when you are in a position of that kind of authority, there are certain responsibilities and actions that you may not want to t- take, but you have to, because he was being pressured. That's like, you have, we have to have this state funeral for, for Garma. You may want to keep the morning private, but he is a member of the Royal family. The rest of the nation needs to, needs to, share in our grief kind of kind of thing. Yeah. He definitely wanted to just be alone and just remember his remember his baby boy, but instead he yeah. had to show up for the funeral. He had to be there. Yeah. So and it's basically like uh Garen, who I think was his oldest son. Yes, they did specify um, his I kind of I lost track of which one was the oldest. I know yeah, was the obviously Dozel looks like he should be the oldest. Well, he's, <laughs> he's just the Biggest. Yes. Um, He's also got the most scars. Yes. You do, in Origin, you do see how he gets those scars, and it's kind of like a what-the-hell kind of moment. <laughs> it's kind of like... It's not the, a bar fight. It's not a bar fight. I could say that. But Did, did a Flurgan claw, claw at his face? <laughs> a random piece of glass from a gunshot to the mech piece of the mech hits him in the cheek. Oh, he kind of talked about shading. No, it was a cat like uh, Nick Fury. Okay. <laughs> and Captain <Carry> Marvel. <laughs> um, well, Flurgan, sorry, Flurgan. Well, well, I can definitely confirm that stitches were one of the reasons why, but yeah. anyways. Um, Figure of a future tech, they have better stitching. Stitches are stitches. Um, but anyways... Because um, he's a snitch? No. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like, uh, it, that was used more as like a rally the troops against the enemy type mm-hmm. of speech. Um, but yeah, it does work, but at the same time, it was, it's like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah. Um, but, um, Giren at one point in time, and I'm not going to say who does it, but he does get compared to Hitler later on. Yeah. Well, you, that would sort of happen in situations like this where you're, uh, or, those sorts of comparisons are going to come up at least outside the uh, outside the series, if not inside. Yeah. Because of 
stuff like that. Uh, we got to talk about the uh, the Zeon soldiers who planted the bombs on the. Oh, so that was another that thing. Was yeah. Awesome. Uh, the, well, I didn't catch the dude's name, but they were just the guy that came up with the whole plan was just sort of like, yeah, we'll maybe we'll get in trouble for for taking this sort of risk, but if we can do it, then we get to go home. Yeah, <laughs> they'll let us they'll let us come home and we'll live like kings because we'll we'll be the people that took out the took out the Federation mobile suit. So what they do is they and, get these the, yeah. the little these little hover bikes. Um, with these machine guns on them, is like half the group gets the Gundam to chase after them through the woods, while the other half is like hiding underneath this like this outcropping. like this, yeah, this like outcropping. And when they see them pass through, and the Gundam gets in front of them, they get behind it, basically swarm around it and plant these like C four basically. I was thinking C four. Uh, in their own, what do they say, a 30-minute timer? Yeah, 30-minute timer. Um, because they didn't, because the base that they were at didn't have the, didn't have, like, RDX or something they could remote use to control. remote. To they remote were not given enough, they weren't given supplies because they were just a patrol base. Yeah, there you go. Um, so they put it on various parts of the Gundam, like, the head, the backpack where the, one of the beam sabers is located at, near the cockpit. They were looking for, uh... Weak points in the armor as they were flying around, trying and they did. They did get them on some pretty good uh, locations. Weak, locations yeah. on the Gundam that, if they did go off, would yeah. have destroyed the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, they got one on the shield, which broke the shield again. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm pretty sure that guy was just like, eh. It's like I, don't, it I can't get to anything else. Let's just oh, let's do it. <laughs> um, so. Uh, they do that. Amuro gets out, sees the bomb that's in front of the cockpit, uh, realizes that they're like magnetically placed, pops it off, and then goes around and does the rest to all the other ones. The but, only they, one but they had to do it carefully because the way they were constructed, or the way the thing was rigged, if he tried to detach it the wrong way, it would set him off. And while the whole time this is happening, the guys who planted the bomb are watching, watching through going, like binoculars. We queen him? Should we be cheering him on? How should we feel about this? Because at the same, because like they're they like they respect see it, they, the guys. They respect his guts for being crazy enough to go and try to they, take they, it off himself. They're looking at him like, you know, yes, he is crazy for trying to disarm these bombs by hand. Um, but at the same time, they're like, he's got guts. He's <laughs> got guts. You know, let's see. Let's keep watching and see what happens. Even one of them was just like, man, if only we had remotes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then after they successfully uh, removed them all and they got got them far enough away that they detonated without destroying the Gundam, the chief who, who came up with the idea just started laughing. He's like, I guess we're not going home. <laughs> and then they, 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 they take rid- off their uniforms. They get rid of the, uni- the, the flight suits and they drive towards them in uh, like a, in a like minivan. Like a station wagon. It's in a station wagon, but it looks more like a minivan, but yeah. hey, future, whatever. Um, and so they're like, hey, Mr. Soldier, are you the one who, are you the... You, that pilot? guy in the white suit must the, be the pilot of that thing, right? <laughs> uh, and they're like, you know, like, do us all proud. And as they, they drive away, um... Brighton, uh, Brighton uh, Mirai, Mirai are just like, those are the soldiers that put the bombs on that thing. <laughs> on, the, on the suit, <laughs> on the, yeah. On the Gundam. Yeah, I mean, they take some balls. You said they can try to blow the thing. They, hey, let's go drive over there and say hi. <laughs> well, it's just... White base, you know, is still in enemy territory, and it could have been seen as them opening fire on civilians because they had 
they might have known these guys were soldiers, but they weren't dressed like them. They can't this, confirm it. They can't confirm it. It's yeah. one of those things. It's like we could have done it, but if uh, word gets out that we open firing on civilians, you don't see the air quotes, but they are there. <laughs> we're going we're um, to get in trouble. We we will. That will be a propaganda strike against against the Federation. Uh, would you turn more people to to the to the Zeon? What did you think of the scene where Shar was sitting at a bar? <laughs> yeah, just watching the watch, sp- watching, watching the, the funeral, and then, and then uh, uh, Garen is just like, "Why would somebody like Garmer be taken away from us so soon?" And then Shar just goes, "While he's got a drink in his hand," and he goes. Because he was a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I must have fell asleep during that part. Uh, but, uh, oh, don't worry, we can replay it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, Shard, you know, he does have his ulterior motives. Yeah. Um, Everybody seems to have ulterior motives in, in the Xeon. I'm not looking forward to the guy the guy in the blue Zaku dying. I know he's going to Oh, die. Wall? I feel like he's going to die the same way that uh, the, the prince did. The like Dharma? Yeah. Like, eh, I done my job and shot in the back. Oh, damn it. Did you play Journey to Jabro, the the PlayStation 2 Gundam game? No, I have not. Really? You, you didn't play that one? I thought you would have. No, I didn't tell it. I wasn't into Gundam as much. I didn't get into Gundam into G Gundam. Therefore, this was way before me. Okay. Well, it was before me, too. But yeah. Whatever. Um... Talking to video games, this came up while we were watching, and I basically told you, hold that thought, we'll bring it up during the during the discussion. Zone of Enders. Zone of you Enders, were, yeah. You notice a lot of parallels between Zone of Enders and Gundam. Well, the fact that Leo is the pilot of Jehuti is showing very similarities to uh, Amuro, where he was thrown into the mech, being his uh, fighting skills slowly increased, but his... His thrust for violence increased as well. And then knowing what I know from playing other video games of Gundam, where I know Amuro balances out, it just feels like I'm watching the same progression with Leo and Amuro being the same character. And even, like, I didn't know that the Gundam at the beginning had a computer that may improve itself like Jehuti does. Yeah, the the Gundam uh, has a self-learning computer that the more fights the more it learns and the better it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, later on, um, Amuro's reflexes get... He, he becomes so fast in his reaction time that the Gundam can't move fast enough. Though, it does make me wonder when uh, the girl... What's her name again? The one with the short sister. Sailor. When Sailor went out and was, you know, butt kicked, you did see the shield block her and the kicks. I wonder if the Gundam did that. Um, I think that uh, the mobile suits are able to act independently at times of the pilots, which you kind of sort of see that um, in the... I'm trying to think of which episode it would be. Uh, in 8th MS Team, uh, one of the enemy ace pilots has a guff custom. Um, and um, he activates it by using his voice by... Essentially, telling it to turn on, and it, as he is walking, the suit is walking alongside him. It's kind of like uh, the mirror mode in uh, Real Steel. You know, I've never seen that, but I call it a Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie. It's basically <laughs> what it is. <laughs> oh, it's a Titanfall. 
I don't know. Did you ever play Titanfall? I played a little bit of the first game. Uh, I didn't really like the whole you got to play it online only kind of crap. Titanfall 2 you should probably check out. I didn't play the first one, but Titanfall 2 has a very good solo campaign. And it has the mech that when you got out of your mech and you were walking, the mech's doing things for itself. It, I like that. Um, and uh, you also see it um, in um, Gundam Wing where one of the pilots is trying to get his suit to uh, self-destruct, and the suit is refusing to do it. The suit is like, the suit is like, Mm-mm, nope. <laughs> you want me to do what now? You want me to go boom? Oh, hell no. Getting back to the Zone of Enders thing, well, like you said, you noticed a lot of similarities between the protagonist and well, Zone versus the, versus, uh, against Amro. Well, yeah. well, again, like what I said in the first video uh, for this, Gundam did influence a lot after that. Yeah. Zone of the Enders is probably one of them. Um, I cannot remember for the life of me what the man's name is, but the director for Evangelion, even he said that Gundam was a heavy it is, influence. It is, the, it is the mecha anime yeah. franchise. It's there might be other ones out there, but they will always be compared to Gundam. Because Gundam has been around for so long, I mean, and I mean, it is the one that has influenced basically everybody. I mean, granted, there were ones before that, like, probably one of the more famous ones was Mazinger Z, that being another uh, big-name uh, mech series. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, I think Gundam kind of, like, overshadowed that in terms of, uh, I want to say realism. Yeah. Uh, th- that is one of the things that I keep that I sort of keep noticing in this is that they do focus, they do try to keep it grounded in reality. For all there is, they're dealing with spaceships and quote unquote Minovsky particles and all that. Well, but the Minovsky particles is like the big sci-fi part of it. That is the main, yeah, this is the main sci-fi thing about it. But they, you know, they, they have to deal with things like turbulence. They have to maintain. They have to keep maintaining the, the suits, and they have things like. Uh, logistical issues and supply issues. Do I do feel bad for the person that has to put all that stuff on the white base to make it look like camouflage? Yeah, that was the one I, of the... I, I think that they use the mobile suits for that. Probably. And so, there we go. <laughs> and then, yeah, they, th- they throw it out wide and then they have individual people just sort of like tugging it into place. Probably. Um, you, don't but, s- you don't see it. And then there was, in this most recent episode, with the salt issue. That the, that the ship's stores were low on salt because the stores had gotten damaged uh, during one of the battles. So a lot of it was either spilled or it fell out. Fell out or damaged or and w- rendered unusable. But And they made a point of saying that the human body needs needs salt. It's, I, don't, I don't know the specific reason myself, but I think it has something to do with like uh, the neuron con- connections in your brain. It basically helps your brain st- you know, keep functioning properly. Well, it's also like sugar. Your body does need sugar as much mm-hmm. as, you know, some people probably don't want to admit that. And as I, uh, when you brought this up uh, the other day when we were talking, when you, we were talking about that mm-hmm. uh, in this upcoming episode, I made, I pointed out that salt had been part of a Roman soldier's rations as, you know, part of his payment, essentially, when he was in the Roman legions. That's where the, where the, where the root of the word salary comes from is salt. Salt, huh. because it was part of a, a part of the soldier's payment, and that's where we get the word salary. <laughs> but just an interesting little little fact for those of you out there who didn't know that sort of thing. 
That um, was Jay Science Corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am science slash history. Science is cool. By the way, history is cool can, the, or can be. But anyway, by the way, uh, if I if I read this correctly, the Lagrange points were the uh, colonies. Around. Yeah, I noticed that in one of the maps. Yeah, uh, that's basically like essentially like where like the moon is, and here's Earth. The, the, that's where the Lagrange points essentially are. Well, any celestial body has multiple Lagrange points around it. Uh, I could go into more detail, but I don't know the more know the science properly enough. But I think the way it works is an object that's placed in a Lagrange point between uh, regarding those celestial bodies will basically stay there. Yeah, it's like it's it's something to do with the gravitational forces at play. But it's, you know, so there's Lagrange points between the Earth and the Moon. There are Lagrange points between the Earth and the Sun, and so on. Um, by the way, so, all right, so we've seen, for the Xeon, we've seen three different mobile suits so far. We've seen the Zaku-1, which is basically like, which we saw in the uh, the Supply episode when they were still in space. Okay. Uh, the one Try, I don't remember. He's the one. It was the one that had the older pilot, where he was just like, "Oh, I'll sh- I'll show you how to do this," and he had zero weapons. That was like the original okay, Zaku. I'm, start- uh, I'm starting to remember. And then there's the red red. Well, there's the standard Zaku too. Shar Zaku, uh, Zaku two is the commander type, hence the antenna mm. that's on the forehead of the suit. But granted, granted, his the only reason why his is special is because it's red. Uh, but the regular one is like just like the standard green colors. And then there's the, the guff, the guff, the blue one that uh, Lieutenant Rawl pilots. Yes. Uh, so which one do you guys like so far? Honestly, I'd probably go with uh, the guff because it's different. Like you said, um, Char's red, red comet or red rocket, whatever. Red comet. Red comet. It doesn't really have anything. Uh, super special about it apart from its color and the fact that it's got an ace pilot in it. Um, but the guff at least has some more unique armaments to it. With like the, the, heat the, heat, the heat rod thing. Uh, very dangerous. <laughs> and the, uh, the fact that the, uh, the fingertips in the left hand are basically guns. Yeah, I don't, I, it was difficult for me to tell if it was the fingertips or, it's if, the it, fingertips. or if it, okay. Because the way it was animated looked like it might have been something that popped up from the back of the hand. By the way, but, and yeah. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now is uh, I think it's the next time you see him uh, when he's prepping the suit. He's in the suit; they haven't launched yet. He holds up like the arm where the heat rod is at, and because of the way the heat rod comes out and back into the suit, it you're going to instantly think tentacle porn. <laughs> Because of the way it looks. Well, it's <laughs> Japan. What do you expect? <laughs> That's the sort of thing they go for. But hey, you know, your kink is not my kink. Whatever. <laughs> All I'm going to say is never change Japan. Never change. change. <laughs> uh, so, anything else before we uh, wrap this up? Um, okay, so amongst these episodes, which one was your favorite one? Hmm. Really, really hard for me to say, but... I'd probably have to go with episode fourteen, uh, time stands still because the those those was, uh, it, was it intense for you? It was a bit intense, and those Zeon soldiers, I respect their own guts for being like we have no real way to damage this thing, but we're and they know, only our, had one Zaku. They only had the one Zaku, and that even that pilot was like, I can't stand up against that against that that mobile suit. Though we will say he has more piloting skills because his Zaku did not get destroyed. This is true. This is true. He managed to actually retreat. <laughs> 
Um, well, I think that it was. I think that the plan was just like, all right, you're going to lure the Gundam over here, and then you're going to leave. Yeah. So it was like once and his job was it done. Worked. When, once his job was done, he was like, all right, I'm out. And <laughs> even those even those soldiers are just sort of like, you know, hey, this guy's good. You know, they respected the, they respected Amro's abilities. Uh, even before uh, he got out and did the crazy job of disabling all the bombs himself, or at least detaching all the bombs himself. Um, but yeah, I, I would go with that episode. Yeah, I'd go with that one, or stick with my original statement of the one where the soldiers were flying away and the gun shot because it, it shows more humanized versions of the war. Yeah. Oh, um,. Are you talking about the from the previous binge? Yeah. No, he was asking just from this binge. I thought he said from all episodes. No, 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 from this binge. Oh, just this binge? Yeah, the one he said. Yeah. Because, again, showing the human side, as it were. And yeah. That, that there are some guys out there who just, like, don't care about the politics. And even uh, Lieutenant Rawl was kind of that way. He doesn't care about the politics. He's, he's just, just like, my country right or wrong. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that is how it is with him. Um, now, whether or not his guff is supposed to be, like, the blue is supposed to be, um... Prototype. <laughs> no, not a prototype, but I'm talking about just the overall color for it. Mm. Um, I don't know if that was just, like, his choosing of the color, because I don't think they've ever really explicitly stated that, of whether or not that was supposed to be the original color scheme, or if he just said, I want it blue. Uh, because after, because uh, after that, all the other guffs that you see after that, they're all the same color. Hmm. Maybe I don't know. Well, f- who knows? Yeah, well, it's one of those things that's probably in some fan wiki somewhere. Probably, I'll have to look that up. Uh, but so, but that about wraps it up for this uh, for this binge cast. Uh, you know, five episodes down, got another five on this uh, disc of the series, and then after that, it's on to set two. Which you are still in the process of obtaining. Oh, oh, you've gotten it. You, uh, yeah, I've you've already through it already. You you caught me while I was watching it. Okay, yeah. Um, just a little uh, peek behind the curtains here. Chris goes through all of the all of his discs to make sure that there are no like technical issues. Okay, so stuff. I need to explain this story. So <laughs> when I got the Anime Legends set for, as much as I don't want to admit this, for C Destiny. Granted, Seed Destiny is a vast improvement over Seed, but not by much. Uh, the last disc of the set had a manufacturing error where it's like, if you looked at like the back of the disc, where it like closer to like the center of it, where it's got that little like reflective, that more reflective uh, mm-hmm. part of it right. near the middle. Uh, if you look close enough at it, you'll see that there's a part of it that was like ripped and folded, and then it was like pressed down, and the disc would not. Play, nothing would work, it wouldn't upload, and when I saw that, I was like, well, damn. <laughs> so, as a result, whenever he, uh, you know, with when it comes to these discs for these binges, he he checks to make sure that everything's yeah, I working, just, I just want to make so sure. we don't end up having to interrupt a binge partway through and be like, well, shit. <laughs> well, shit, now i got to order it again and make a complaint to Amazon. But, or, write, or, I'm sorry, write stuff. So, uh, and there are only the two sets for the... For that's the, it, yeah, okay. that's it. So, uh, one more uh, binge on this on this set, and then we'll start on the next on the next set. After we're done with uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, we'll probably break and take we'll, a break from Gundam for a bit. We'll, ta- we'll probably take something else. We'll probably take, like, a month-long uh, break. Hiatus from Gundam, at least. Yeah. 
Not from Bingecast, but from Gundam. Yeah, because uh, the next one that we will be watching is Zeta, and that's 50 episodes. Yeah, and this, and most of Gundam itself is what, 42? 42, 42 in America, 43 in Japan. So, yeah, we'll uh, be taking a taking a hiatus from Gundam after uh, we've completed Mobile Suit Gundam, but that's still several binges in the future. By the way, real quick question. Remember the episode that I told you that was uh, not included in the American release and it was never translated? Mm-hmm. Is that the... We're, is we're, that we're, the, we're past the ep- when it would have been. Is like, it, was it the one after the one where no. they're on the beach, or is it... In between... No, it was... I think it was more like episode 15, I believe, because it was after they got... Obviously, after they got to Earth. But did you notice... This was just episode 15 just now. But, yeah. Like I said, that was when it was supposed to be... Oh, okay. Like uh, like I said, did you notice a break in the flow? Or did it flow... It's... I mean... I didn't really notice. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Like, Like what Tomino said, he said it just didn't flow very well. Plus... I've seen screenshots of the episode, and it's not exactly what you want to call very well animated. Like the Zaku's have like a little bit of bulk to them. Mm-hmm. The Zaku that they drew, that they yep. animated for this the episode, last bulky fight we just saw. Um, <laughs> we did have Yogo. We had the Slenderman. Yeah, that's we had the um, Juggernaut fight. Some some of the some of the animations in episode fifteen. Uh, did come across as a bit janky <laughs> with the mobile suits uh, walking animations. And running. And walking and running animations. Um, Zeke uh, compared them to an ogre, Slender Man, and the Juggernaut. <laughs> well, the Juggernaut being the gun cannon, because of the because that one is supposed to be like the and most... And the guff was the ogre, and, uh, and Gundam, it, Gundam itself was Slender Man. <laughs> I do want to know how they made that. They had the Zaku, big and bulky, Gundam, skinny the guy. Who knows? At any rate, um, but uh, but yeah, like I said, there uh, in that in that particular episode, uh, the Zaku that they animated for it, and I've seen the screenshot for it, and yeah, I see this. They drew it slim. That just doesn't work. <laughs> I understand if stuff is supposed to look different and smaller in like the distance, mm. which is how the Guff looked in the episode where it's running mm. and uh, running alongside like the Gundam. Uh, and it's kind of like, I guess, as doing like, I want to call it a football player run. Yeah, where it's sort of... Leaning forward. Leaning a forward a bit, yeah. Um, so... Well, I, I, in, that, in that case, it was probably him trying to lower the, the profile, uh, you know, so that the gun cannon didn't have a, as big a target to shoot at. Yeah, well, plus, you know, he kept, because Amaro said that, you know, I can't target it because he keeps moving too much. Well, it wasn't just he was moving too much. He he was also trying to attack the uh, the gun cannon at the same time. Yeah. So it's like he couldn't he couldn't he wasn't holding still long enough, and Amro couldn't hold still long enough to line up the shot. Yeah, so it's like, well, well, I can't aim at him. He can't aim at me. Yep. And we got to protect the Gundam because a because there's a civilian was, there's a civilian was, in it. No, I do want to know one thing. She sat there and said, "This is nothing like the civili- the training I've the, gone through." Simulations, yeah. Like, there's a difference between simulations and doing the actual thing. It's like being. It's like but, the difference but, between. Is, why is she doing the training? Because they don't have enough pilots. Yeah, they they really don't have enough pilots, and uh, I'm not gonna say which one, but one of them is getting killed off soon. Mm. And the only thing I can think of the whole entire time for that fight was, "Don't you dare throw up in my mech." 
Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she, couldn't, hand, she, she couldn't, couldn't handle the G-Force. <laughs> <laughs> you think about being the Gundam and stuff? Oh, gosh, she's going to throw up at me. Don't, don't you do it! Don't you... Oh, no! <laughs> she does get something of her own later on, though. Okay. But... Yeah, guy Gundam? No, it's not, a, it's not a suit. You'll see it. But, at any rate, that about wraps it up for this edition of the Bored to Death binge cast. So, for Zeke and Chris, I'm Jay, and we'll see you next time.